This Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, Joni. I'm so excited to be recording this, our second episode on biohacks with you today. And of course, focusing today very much so on mental well-being, corresponding with your latest article on Talent Talks titled Mental Wellbeing uh, Biohacks. So really looking forward to our conversation today and some of the latest research and thinking that you'll bring to that. But I wanted to kick off today just saying, you know, I loved your latest article and specifically the part where you really mention the Olympics. And it just highlights for the first time, you know, how important mental well-being is and just how fantastic it is that we've really come to see this as a valid reason for not participating in something. Um, it, it's, isn't it wonderful that society has really reached this point of recognition and acceptance around mental well-being? Yes, exactly, Karen. And, you know, people like Simone Biles and uh, Naomi Osaka, with them verbalizing that they're pulling out of the Olympics and pulling out of the French Open, it now, you know, we're naming it to tame it, as we say in, in psychology. It becomes a conversation and a narrative that it's okay to have. And when superstars and sports stars who have spent years and years training say, I'm just going to stop, you know, I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders. I love that, that it becomes permissible to do that. And then the conversation opens up on social media. It's really brilliant. Absolutely. Because it's almost as though we're, we're given validation. It's okay to feel this way. And absolutely, as you're saying, you know, when people at that level are able to, to really say that I, I can't do anymore, it really makes us be a little bit more vulnerable around our own limits. It does. And I think the unintended beautiful consequence about that is not only the, as Brené Brown would say, rumbling with vulnerability, but also the self-compassion where you go like, I'm really feeling low, miserable, or, you know, maybe even depressed. And therefore, what am I going to do about it? People become more self-aware. As we always say, Socrates said, Knowing thyself is the beginning of wisdom. So if you become more self-aware and you start to do something about it, then we don't have this terrible slippery slope of getting into really bad burnout where we've got people out of jobs and out of communities and in bed for months on end. And Joni, just before we started recording, you were just saying there's some great research that's just come out. Do you want to share some of that with us? Yes, it's fascinating research. So Kieran, this is from six seconds. So they're the largest global network of emotional intelligence leaders around the world. So this is a randomized sample of over 20,000 people in 129 countries. And what we've seen since 2014 is that emotional intelligence has been improving around the world. But unfortunately, last year, it took a terrible dive. And we're not surprised about that. We're not surprised about, you know, the stress and the isolation and the anxiety and the uncertainty people were dealing with in the pandemic. But what is particularly interesting in this research is out of all the competencies in emotional intelligence, the one competency that took the biggest dive is the competency that they call exercise optimism. And this is what they define as the ability to see options. So that went down globally by 5%, which is big. The knock-on effect of that 
is that there are related skills that we have to optimism, like how we collaborate in the workplace and even in communities and schools, perhaps, our imagination, our risk-taking ability. So all of that declined and those skills, collaboration, imagination and risk-taking declined by 10% globally. So that to me is really interesting, is that people are kind of battening down the hatches and, and not wanting to do anything. And of course, if we look at our bodies, Kieran, so the neurobiology of that is that that's not surprising to me because when we're in a stressed state, you know, we don't want to take any risks, do we? We, you know, we don't want to be creative. We we don't want to do anything, actually. We want to just conserve our energy and focus on, you know, what is feeling like a threat. None of that is particularly surprising. And um, the 10% decline was bigger than I expected. Really, what is interesting to me is if you take optimism as an EQ competency and you now segment it into age groups, what I was surprised about was that optimism as an EQ competency has declined by 11% for the under 35 age group. You know, that age group who are finishing studies, starting out in their careers, really finding this um, uncertainty and this kind of unpredictable world in which we live to be a knock for them. You know, when that's a knock for them correlated to bad decisions, it's correlated with their quality of relationships and not working in teams. It's also highly correlated with mental and physical well-being, which is what we're talking about today. It's interesting research. And if you don't have optimism as one of your key skills, there's a high likelihood that you won't have good relationships, you won't make good decisions and uh, work effectively. And that correlation is eight times as likely not to score high in those outcomes. So I'm worried about the under 35-year-olds. The 35 to 45-year-olds are down 5%. So we need to be looking at how we can help with mental well-being when we're living in this kind of isolated world and trying to find our way into new hybrid teams, et cetera, et cetera. I think it is quite a stark reality, just what we're facing. And, and as the research starts coming out, we'll be able to better understand what that impact has been and will continue to be. But I think already some of the facts that are coming out or the numbers that are coming out are quite sobering just in terms of where we are at. And we speak sometimes when we when we look at the research about a post-COVID world, we're far from a post-COVID world still. So we still need a lot of resilience, a lot of optimism to get us through this. And it's just not there. Exactly. Spot on the money. So it's uh, and, you know, when people take this downturn, it worries me that they their belief system, their, their hardware mm-hmm. in their brain, it literally gets wired to the world is a difficult place. Can't find my, my lane in terms of the passion of work I want to do. I'm not mixing with new people. I'm not, you know, getting that one plus one equals five or ten effect of working in a team and learning from others. So that downward trend um, has a, a big knock on our own sense of self-worth and, and sense of being. We've got a long way to go. and We need to address some of these problems pretty urgently. The thing is, you know, if we don't take control of it now or when you're still kind of in that middle state to, to fall into that burnout zone or that completely exhausted zone where there's just no resources left, it's twice as hard to pull yourself out of that, isn't it? It is. And I think back to your earlier point, Karen, is that when we're putting on this brave face on a Zoom meeting or an MS Teams meeting with your fellow colleagues, people aren't getting the real deal of what the person is suffering internally in their ecosystem. So that burnout slippery slope is, and I'm seeing so much of it, 
it starts with like feeling like I'm okay, I just this work is not rewarding or I'm not feeling satisfied or I'm not getting the sense of achievement down to despair in in a very quick time period. So I always say it's a bit like going down a blimmin' red slippery slide. You can go down to burnout and to collapse very quickly. And we're not picking up those signals and signs from our colleagues where we can help or get some interventions going. So it's this period of working from home is also difficult because we can't uplift people that are working around us unless you're really tuned into knowing them well, knowing their body language. And actually, I'm starting to work with teams to say, how do you lean in emotionally with your team so that you can pick up these signals? Otherwise, it's uh, sometimes it's just, a, you know, too late. Absolutely. And it's not, a, it's not an easy skill to master, you know, if you're, especially if you're a leader and it's not something you've naturally been attuned to. I mean, leaders have never had to employ this level of, of soft skills before. So they're almost having to learn at this double pace and use them while still coping with, you know, their own realities or their own situations, their own lack of resilience. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm reading a lot of articles on this, Kieran, around really how leaders have to step up their game in terms of relationship-centered leadership. Really, the ability to understand people, understand their triggers, their drivers, and that's the new term that I'm finding a lot of people are realizing they have to master is building those relationships and teams. And especially in crafting the way forward in, in the hybrid team, you know, how do you still keep a close relationship with someone who's choosing to work from home more than come into the office as you go forward so that they're not overlooked and you understand where they're at, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a new way of leading and leaders, you know, the emotional intelligence part of it is crucial, absolutely crucial. And we know that actually leaders with high emotional intelligence, um, you know, succeed far more than leaders with, you know, high IQ and, and the stats are they succeed and the success factors are are way outperform people with high IQ. So it's a new style of leadership now. And um, what impact would you say, you know, your emotional state has on your or your, your EQ would have on your emotional well-being or your mental well-being? And how do we start bringing that into some of the biohacks that you can offer us in terms of, you know, improving our mental well-being? Yeah, so some of the things are really what I'm, what you're choosing to put into your brain. So the 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 fuel that goes into your mental state, I like to call it. So I, you know, and I'll just speak maybe in the first person here because it's really interesting self-managing and and running a business um, as an entrepreneur. I'm very cognizant of not getting too embroiled, especially in South Africa, in the politics of what's going on. Because <laughs> so I think you can dig yourself into a, a black hole there. The first thing that I often like to do is say, okay, Joni, depending on how I'm feeling and thinking and my state of energy is, you know, what are the, uh, what's the fuel for the day? And I start my day with positive podcasts. I absolutely have got a range of them that are in my library on my phone and I just click through to see, you know, what topic resonates with me for that day. And I feed my brain with positive stuff and really interesting stuff and interesting interviews and, you know, what are people doing around the world? So it's also relevant. Um, and I just find, as you, as we were saying earlier, you know, about the sports stars being so open about the issues that they are challenged by. So we're seeing on, on these podcasts. So the mental well-being is ring fence yourself. And uh, that's one of the biohacks is feed your brain good stuff, especially at the start of the day. 
And I think that's key. You know, there's so much that goes on around us on a daily basis in terms of the negative news that sometimes I know even for myself over this pandemic period, I have had to consciously choose not to watch the news for a few days in a row just to just to allow my world to stabilize. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't get kind of a feeling of deficiency or FOMO not watching the news. I can go quite, I can go seven days with no news at all. So no radio, no TV. I've absolutely isolated myself and it's a rebooting period. And it's, I find it often adds to my creativity. The more I read and listen and um, get embroiled in some people's work, I'm, I'm reading Rising Strong now from Brené Brown, and I'm just loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. And, you know, I, I end my day, you know, listening and reading her stories. I've, I've listened to many of her videos, but now actually reading it at night in a paper book is my yummy time, and it's my yummy mental fodder. And it leads to creativity. I mean, I woke up naturally at 10 to 4 this morning and started writing another article. And I thought, it's, I'm feeling really upbeat. So, you know, if you're feeding good stuff into your body, whether it be food or, you know, mental stimulus, it does definitely have an impact on your energy levels. And anything else that we could we could take from a mental well-being um, biohack perspective, you know, besides just keeping our uh, very close eye on what we're feeding our our brains with what do we put into our bodies to really help our brains function better exactly so in the article that relates to this podcast i've um, written a lot about rehydrating and caffeinating your brain (laughs) so caffeine often gets a bad rap and we go not too much coffee and don't drink coffee after this time but i think we often forget about um the benefits of coffee so one of the biohacks is uh putting medium chain triglycerides shortened days MCT into your coffee or tea. And I do that daily. I use a powder. So even when I'm traveling, and I'm lucky traveling in South Africa and working at the moment, which is fantastic, as I take the powder with me, when I'm at home, I put the oil in. And that MCT oil is something that not a lot of people know about. It's got a great um, boost for your energy. It also helps you if you are doing intermittent fasting to give you that satiated, full feeling. And it's really good for brain health. So there are some research studies, Kieran, that say that it's really improves that synaptic connection between your neurons. So, uh, you know, we grow about 700 neurons a day. We want to keep them connected and talking to each other. So MCT oil is a good thing as a biohack to add to your to your coffee or tea in the morning. But I also pre-framed this with the rehydration. So... I'm finding in winter in, in the Southern Hemisphere and, you know, in summer, we, we also have this problem is that we're not rehydrating properly. And actually our brain shrinks from this plump green grape to a shriveled little dark black raisin as we wake up in the morning because the brain is so active at night. So it flushes out all the daily toxins, which we call beta amyloids. And we actually need to rehydrate the brain before we caffeinate. So I've just given some examples in the article about, you know, having some water before you have your coffee, but I find water boring. So (laughs) I found some biohacks to add to my water um, and I just can't drink a cold glass of water. It just doesn't go down well for me. But add some magnesium, add vitamin C. I'm doing a lot of research on the gut-brain axis at the moment and gut health. So I put glutamine into uh, my body. And I'm also mindfully aware of I'm suffering long COVID. 
um, and I'm doing blood tests every 10 days or so and really monitoring what COVID has done to my body. Um, and glutamine, I'm finding incredibly helpful as an amino acid. So, yeah, so just making sure that you your, your brain wants to be rehydrated. So your first drink in the morning has to be water with something in it and then get on to coffee and enjoy your coffee and tea. Have as much as you like, as long as you're balancing it um, with water. Absolutely. I think that is really important. I know in your article you also speak around um, 5-HTP, and I've eventually managed to track some down in in Australia, and I'm a firm user of that, you know, that precursor to to serotonin, and I think it's fantastic. And just from a mental well-being and stability perspective, you know, if you can get get hold of that um it really is is good i have been enjoying being back on that but also if you're if you're not into taking you know those powders it is also around finding other ways to to stimulate those reward centers of your brain that boost and so often we're turning to social media to do that and that actually has a the opposite effect on that but it is really around finding those right mechanisms that are going to stimulate those you know that reward center like you were mentioning getting into into bed with a real book that is filling you with joy. It's that, you know, that tick that you're getting or that that this dopamine hit that you're really eliciting at the end of a long day. Yeah. So in the article, I've also mentioned another six supplements. The 5-HTP I'm taking at the moment. I'm also taking gluten and uh, glutathione. Sorry, not gluten. I'm avoiding gluten. Um, and I'm finding, um, I mean, that is a, a real bomber of an antioxidant. So we are, many of us are suffering stress and it's really fantastic um, for addressing stress. Zinc, um, saffron, which we, uh, a lot of us don't uh, even think about these days. Uh, It's really incredible for, as a natural remedy. So yeah, so have a look at, I mean, I I do go to a homeopath. I check out my supplements. I, I don't just take anything. I have good quality supplements and you know, I just keep on thinking that our grandparents um, grew fantastic veggies and fruit you know, in rich soils. And unfortunately, we're not getting all of those rich soiled, um, well, I'm not saying that well, but our fruit and veggies are in rich soil. So we do have to supplement. And we're also working at a pace, Karen, I'm finding some people are online for up to 16 hours a day. It's frightening when I say, you know, speak about the digital detox topic. And they, you know, when you think your grandparents were definitely not having that blue light onslaught for 16 hours a day. So we have to supplement, know your body and know what you should take. But that really, really has a huge impact on mental well-being. Yeah, and important to do that, you know, with your with your doctor as well, just to make sure if you are on yes. anything else that it's not going to, because it's the strangest things that, that don't work well together. So just being very careful there around what you're supplementing with. But absolutely, you know, our soil is... It's the micronutrients we're just deficient in these days. So I'm a firm believer in in supplementation, but it's you know it is it is a choice that everybody needs to make. But definitely, if you can look at that, boost your diet. Um, I was actually walking with my kids this morning, and we we walked past a, a bunch of dandelions, and they were laughing at me because I said, "Well, it makes a really nutritious tea," and it really does. I mean, the herbal benefits of that have been proven. But for them, it was so unknown. So I'm going to have to go and, and make them a part of dandelion tea and make sure um, they suffer yeah. through it and just see that they enjoy the benefits of it. 
But Jodie, I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure, Karen. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd just like to say as a kind of a parting note from my side is that I'm on a daily basis. I have a new little habit at the start of the day is I also reach out to someone that I haven't spoken to for a long time. And the reach out is I just scroll up my WhatsApps, right? You know, I just go with my finger and to wherever it lands that, you know, WhatsApp that I haven't sent for a year, just to reach out to someone. I mean, we just had on the 10th of September World Suicide Prevention Day. And, you know, we're seeing suicides from people, little kids as young as seven. I mean, it's just, it's traumatic to think about it. So I would like for all of us from a mental well-being, not only to look after ourselves, but to reconnect with others and um, send some love, you know, kind of use your positive energy to perhaps just tap in to see how someone else is doing right now. Joni, as always, thank you so much. Pleasure having you with us today. Thank you, Kieran.